name of God, our Creator, Redeemer, and Giver of all life. Amen. Please be seated. Today is a special day in our church's calendar, in the church's calendar. Um, it's the end of what we classify, we call ordinary time, ordinary Sundays for the year. And they're called ordinary Sundays because um, they represent a large period of time within our ancient liturgical calendar that the, where the focus is general. Ordinary Sundays are a period of time where the church readings allow the church, allow the faithful people of God space to explore in word and sacrament what it means to be God's people. How it is that being part of this, the mystical body of Christ, the church plays out in each of our own unique lives and in the context of the broader society in which we live. That's what ordinary time does for us. But ordinary time ends today with the feast of Christ the Universal King or the feast of the Lordship of Jesus. And it's a feast day that asks us to focus on the fact that God, our God, is an awesome, vast, transcendent God. In my Christian life, and I only really began to pay attention to God in my late 20s, in my Christian life, this feast day has always been important to me. The jump from today's focus on the transcendent nature of God to Advent's anticipation of the incarnation of God as a baby in a stable, that move from Christ the King of the universe to baby Jesus, that juxtaposition highlighted by having this feast before we start Advent, it's always seemed to me those two different things, Christ the King and the baby Jesus. Those two aspects of God have always seemed crucial to me in understanding who God is and what God is like. There are times in our faith journey when the most comfort the greatest consolation to us is found when we engage with Jesus, our friend and our brother. Think of the story of the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. It's immediately following the crucifixion. They're walking while the Mary and the disciples are going to the tomb. They're walking and they're talking with each other and then they're joined by Jesus and they don't know it's Jesus. And they talk about all they have seen, their wonder and their despair and the fear they now have as to how things are shaping up. They're trying to make sense about what is just happening, what's happening now. And what's happening to them as a result of being followers of Jesus? What does it mean? What are we going to do now? They walk on in an unknowing dialogue with God as they walk and share and learn 
And then finally at the end of the day in the sacramental action of breaking and sharing bread, they recognised Jesus. They gained new understanding. And with that new understanding, they make a fundamental change in their lives. They make a change of direction, literally. They turn around and go back to Jerusalem to share with others what they've discovered. You see, this type of exploration, this type of dialogue over what is going on in your life works best, not in a formalised setting of rows and pews, it works best when we're walking and talking with God. And the walking and talking God, as scripture shows us again and again, is Jesus. But there are other times in our lives where there are problems that are so big that no amount of waking, walking and talking, no amount of prayerful consideration seems to bring us to a place of peace. There are some problems, some challenges so big that it seems that all the talking in the world does not leave us hopeful of resolution. How often have we heard over these past months as we have all tried to navigate the uncertainty of COVID, how long have we heard the lament that if only we had more direction, if only we were told what to do, if only we were told the clear pathway forward. You see, we all find a hoped-for antidote for uncertainty in the hope of external direction. If someone will just tell us what to do, if someone could just lay it out for us, the path we need to walk, it'll be fine. And when it doesn't happen, we get upset. Because they're not telling us. They're not telling us what to do and when to do it. Vaccines, masks, social distancing, lockdowns, contact tracing, border controls, self-isolation, MIQ, sitting in every second pew, separated, with a mask on, not singing, sharing communion in one kind, sitting down to take coffee after church. These are all good. These are all important and crucial responses that are being asked from us. But you know what? No matter how hard they try to give us ways to respond safely or to do the things that will mitigate risk, and no matter how hard we try and we do these things, It never quite gives us the comfort we hope for, does it? You know, in the songs that we sing as Christians, in the language of our liturgy, we commonly ascribe the title of Lord to God. And sometimes, 
in those prayers and in our own prayers or in our own language, sometimes we take ownership, personal ownership of that and it becomes our Lord. God becomes our Lord. But there are some serious obligations that come with the idea of having a Lord. Having a Lord means acknowledging the authority that's attached to that person. Having a Lord brings an expectation of loyalty and of obedience. And loyalty and obedience are not easy things. We don't give that out often. In fact, we struggle to give them out at all to anything or anyone. Loyalty and obedience. And that's one of the reasons why our greatest challenge as Christians is often the hardest thing for us to do is to love others as ourselves. And it's hard to do because to care for others as much as you care for yourself necessarily requires rebellion against your own autonomy. Because what if what is good for you is not the best for me? Will I forgo what is best for me in order to help others? But the flip side of having a Lord comes with Offering loyalty and obedience, there is the expectation coming back the other way that we would get protection and assistance and justice. That we would be cared for in return by our Lord, our God. And so when we are confronted with issues that are so large that solutions seem to lie beyond our ability to perceive them in the world... We're blessed as Christians because we can have hope in God. Because we have a God, who we are reminded of today, who transcends the world. But if we look for peace and hopefulness in the face of a transcendent problem like a global pandemic, if we look for that peace and that hopefulness to come to us from This vast, transcendent God. A God who said, let there be light, and there was light. A God whom Scripture says, knew us in our mother's womb. A God whose Scripture says, forgives us and places our transgressions as far away from us as the east is from the west. A God who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end of all things. If that's from whom we hope for this peace and hopefulness in this time. Isn't it a big ask? Isn't it isn't that kind of peacefulness and hopefulness only available to a few the spiritual giants, to those saints and sages of the ages that we see around the walls and the glass and the little posters? Well, the answer, church, is no, it is not. No. That is not what Christianity teaches. 
It is not what this day, the Feast of Christ, the Universal King, or the Feast of the Lordship of Jesus highlights. That imminent, transcendent God, that walk and talk with us on the road to Emmaus God, that baby in the manger is God, our God. So if peace and hope seems beyond our reach, beyond our perception here and now, our faith tells us that we have a comforter. We have a hope that is beyond all that we can see and perceive. That's God. That's our God. At Bethlehem, God doesn't change. God doesn't give up authority at Bethlehem. The baby in the manger asks the same questions of our lives as the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. Jean preached last week about the need for us to focus now in this time of struggle, in this time of anxiety, on the core disciplines of our faith. So here's what I think. As I've been listening to the press this week. And so we've been struggling as a broader church and more information will come as soon as the government has, they, have told us what to do. Um, as to what it is, how it is we respond to vaccine passports and all those things and you will have seen in the news that the Roman Catholics have made the decision and the Anglicans are working on it. As I've struggled with all of that, this week and getting ready for our AGM. This popped into my head. Amongst all the struggle and all the thoughts and all the ways of doing things, this is the response I got from my walk and talk. It's time to pray. I was thinking about those two disciples walking and talking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Trying to work out what's going on. They're trying to work what it is they're trying to work out what it is they're going to do now. I mean, they're really anxious. They've got up in the middle of the night and left town, and they walk and they talk with God. It's time for us all to walk and talk with God. The assurance that we so desperately desire will not come from them telling us what to do. It will not come from anybody else telling us how it's all going to work out. Our faithful response by taking the best and wisest actions we can in the, take of this, in the face of this pandemic uncertainty, we can do all of those things and we can do them well, but in the end they will not bring us the peace we so desperately desire. None of those things can, because things will remain uncertain. But one thing is certain for us as Christians. We believe that God has a peace that passes all understanding. And we understand as Christians that that peace is available to us all. And it comes through faith in God. So if it really does help you to have some direction from your clergy on how to feel better this week, 
he has done. Do all the safe things that you can do. Do them all. They're all good things to do. But make time to pray. Pray. Pray when you walk. Pray when you drive. If you need a prompt, follow us on Facebook and you'll be told at 7.45-ish every time we start morning prayer up, it'll say, St Peter's is broadcasting, where it says. You can go, you can pray when you wake up. We're here every morning, Monday through Friday, in the room, in that room back there, doing morning prayer. So you can join us and pray then. You know there's prayer up here every night at 6.30. If you're walking past, you've finished work. Come in and pray. There is peace for us. There is peace that passes all understanding. It is a peace that will come only when we as church walk and talk like those guys did on the road to Emmaus. Where we share the sacrament together we gain new understanding. Pray, everyone. Begin to pray.